Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. First of all, can you believe it's December 12th? Wow, say it backwards. Wow, that's, it's crazy, December 12th. In fact, Christmas is, does anybody know, anybody know how many days away? <laughs> Shaking your head. It's 13, 13 days away. I was at a friend's house last night, and they had a, a shelf where it has a little countdown thing, and it said 14 days. I'm like, oh my gosh, tomorrow is 13 days away. In fact, it's like 12 days, 13 hours 28 minutes and 17 seconds away. So you're welcome. Yeah, you're welcome. Any stress levels rise up there when I said that? Those of you who are like, I didn't get my gifts. There's someone online right now. I feel it by the Spirit of the Lord. They said, I haven't even got a tree yet. I don't even have a tree yet. How can I celebrate Christmas without a tree, right? But this time of year can bring stress if we allow it to. And so that's why I want to talk today about the importance of getting lit. Anyone here like getting lit? Hang with me, because we're going to go somewhere with this. I know some of you religious people turned off. You're like, what are you talking about? Look at the person next to you and say, let's get lit. <laughs> For the ne- Okay, just, just hang with me. There's somewhere we're going this morning. Um, But I want to talk about this idea for the next couple weeks, including our special communion slash candlelight service that we're going to have on Christmas Eve, which, by the way, is December 24th. It's a Friday evening. Um, What's that? That, yeah, that's 12 days. Thank you so much, Justice. Man, I just love the help from the country. Usually it's Aiden, my son, but thank you. I appreciate that. (laughs) But we don't have to stress about that because we can come together with fellow believers. We can sing some songs about the light of the world, Jesus. We can light some candles, receive communion, and don't have to be discouraged. We can be encouraged. Come on, isn't that awesome? And so I want to invite you to that. That's December 25th at 6, or December 24th, I should say, at 6 p.m. And it'll be about an hour or so. We're not going to keep, it, keep you real long. But I would encourage you, if there's any time of the year that you can invite friends and family who normally won't attend a service, that would be the time. You can tell them, hey, it's about an hour. We're going to sing some songs, some Christmas songs, hear a Christmas story, light some candles. Who doesn't like to light candles? Come on. It's awesome. Get, get lit. See, we're, we're dovetailing into that. You stole my thunder, Pete. We're going to get lit. But I encourage you to do that. But for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about this idea of getting lit in a series called Time to Get Lit. Say, Time to Get Lit. You know that it's vitally important that we live in joy. This is vital to our life, that we live in joy. And you know, this isn't just a Christmas time thing. Right? We should be living in joy throughout the entire year. You know, We're told that the kingdom of God, which, by the way, that's what we live out of, right? The kingdom of God, we should be, is what? Righteousness, peace, and what? Joy in the Holy Spirit. So it's something that we live out of. I, I love this idea. And so it's understanding that our lives are lived out of this right relationship, Right relationship with God, and I might add, right relationship with others. It's this friendship, it's this peace that we have with God and with others, but it's also this supernatural joy. And I say supernatural because you can have this joy, and by the way, you already do. You can have this joy even if your outward circumstances aren't perfect. 
This is what we're talking about. This is a supernatural joy. And like everything in our spiritual journey, it's becoming more aware of what's been freely given. It's one thing that you'll notice when, you, when you're here at Faith City Church is we don't talk about things that you might obtain eventually. We talk about things you already have. You follow me? These are things that have already been provided, right? Your, your life, everything you need has been provided for you in Christ Jesus. It's a done deal. But how many know, I say this almost every week, on the journey, we have to become more aware of what's been freely given. And, and that's beautiful to me because you ever looked at someone else and thought, man, they just seem so spiritual. I'm not being facetious, but you're just like, man, I wish I could have a walk like that. Don't compare yourself to others. You're on your journey. And embrace that journey. It's kind of like, um, you know, there's times where, you know, when you have children, there's certain phases or facets of their life where you're like, man, I can't wait until they, and you fill in the blank. And then your spouse usually says, whoa, whoa, don't rush it. Don't rush it. Why? Because you want to enjoy and savor every moment. What if we did that in our own spiritual walk? Instead of trying to be someone else or somewhere else, we said, I'm going to savor where I am right now. God's okay with where I am because in order to, 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 to learn something, I have to be here right now. But then as I learn, what do I do? I journey and I grow. Does that make sense? Someone need to hear that this morning. But I know this, that during this time of year, we can come up with a lot of reasons to be sad, right? The opposite of joy is sadness. And so we can be sad for so many different reasons, especially at this time of year. Think about this, things or even people can try to steal your joy. I mean, maybe even this week, you've had a situation where you felt like something or someone was trying to steal your joy. You know, I've had to deal with this in my own life. I mean, unexpected things come up, right? Circumstances or adversity come my way. People don't treat me right or things don't go well, right? I mean, it's, it's not always perfect. Have you ever had this happen where things are actually going really well, but then there's someone or persons, we could say plural, that aren't happy that things are going well for you? And so even in the midst of something going well, you feel like the very joy of life is being sucked out of you because of this person who can't be happy? I've been there. In fact, it's kind of funny, hon. Uh, you know, I've been over the last few weeks kind of, you know, teasing out these ideas and where we're going to go with this series. And then this week I've been looking deeper into it. And the last couple of days I've been really digging and just so excited and like this, this fire in my belly. And it's not because I had too much jalapenos. I told someone earlier, it's not because of that. It's because I'm really excited, but I do love jalapenos by the way. So feel free to bring them in to me, but, but no, I'm, I'm excited about this and everything's going great and it's awesome. And I'm like, all right, we're going to church. It's going to be great. I know Holy Spirit, there'll be people there today that need encouragement and we can speak life into them. It's going to be awesome. And I opened the door to start the car and I got a flat tire. I just drove that car to Lansing and back last night and, it had, and I went, okay, it's all good. It's all good. I'll air up the tire. We'll take the truck. That's fine. I'll air the tire up. Just see how much it'll hold. It's probably just something they can repair. You know, just plug. And I go out to air it up, and I look, and guess where the, the metal object is? It's in the sidewall. I'm like, praise the Lord. It's not repairable. Hallelujah. 
And I went, Holy Spirit, did you do this to me to teach me a lesson today? Of course he didn't, because he doesn't do that. Did I pay my tithe this week? No, we didn't go there. But I literally, I got into the truck, and I was a little bit frustrated, and then I started to laugh and went, oh my gosh, I'm talking about things that steal our joy today, and something tried to steal my joy. Because I didn't have a story, Pete. I'm like, Pete, can you give me a story? Because Pete loves stories. It keeps him engaged. I don't want to lose Pete this morning. But that's my story, man. I can't believe it. So tomorrow I get to go to Discount Tire and see what they can do for me. Praise the Lord. So we've all had to deal with these things, right? It's in these moments that things can begin to weigh on me, bum me out, begin to steal my joy. In fact, I was thinking about this as I was going over my notes yesterday, that when I lose my joy, I can become short-sighted. It's so easy to look at what has happened rather than what's happening or what will happen. You know, that future, that hope, that light at the end of the tunnel, that we can get through this. And we're going to talk about this today. But even me, Andrew Scott Barancic, with one T, by the way, it's special, Scott. I think my dad just didn't know how to spell Scott. He was, I don't know, but I'm going to say it was cool and special. If you're watching, Dad, I love you. I love the S-C-O-T. It's special. But I have this title I'm in front of my name, it says pastor, but you know that even Pastor Andrew Scott Baransic, at times I deal with this and I struggle and I know deep inside that I shouldn't let it mess with me, but I do. I allow things to mess with me. I allow it to, to, to steal my joy. Here's a question. What about you sitting here today? What about you watching online, eating your eggs and bacon and drinking your coffee? Hallelujah. What would you say to that question? What things steal your joy? Is there something or someone that's trying to steal your joy? I mean, I mean, there's so many different things. I mean, a doctor's report, right? A, an unexpected bill in the mail. How many love those? How many just celebrate in joy when you get that bill you didn't expect? You're like, praise the Lord. I didn't know my kids used that much. <laughs> I remember one time when, remember when cell phones cost a lot of money and your kids didn't know and it was like, how many cents per text? And then you get the bill, and it's like, $500? What's going on right now? Now it's all free and all included, but not back then. Those unexpected bills are never fun. Maybe it's that job promotion that doesn't come through like you had expected. I mean, there's so many different scenarios we could go through. We just don't have time today to name them all. But what in your life has tried to steal your joy? Maybe it's not something, but it's someone. Maybe it's another person that you've had to deal with that's brought you down. Come on. Maybe someone's lied about you. Maybe someone's taken advantage of you. Maybe someone hasn't met your expectations and so they let you down. They weren't there for you. Come on, we've all been through this. What do you do with that? Because there seems to be this running theme in this season, in this celebration of the King Jesus, God in flesh, the incarnation, God in flesh, which is... Man, that's a whole different thing we could talk about. It's so beautiful. But all these things can come at us, and there's this running theme of joy, joyful, joyous, and you're like, how with what I'm going through right now? Well, the answer is this. It's time to get lit. Look at the person again. Say, it's time to get lit. Now, I want to clarify this just a little bit. What does the word lit really mean? I have a definition. It should be up on the screens. I want you to see this. Here's what lit means. It means the state of being so intoxicated, listen, regardless of the intoxicating agent, 
that all the person can do is smile so they look lit up like a light. Let's get lit. I want to bring some clarity to this idea of getting lit because I don't want anyone to think, all right, pastor, and I don't want you to misunderstand me. All right, pastor, there's definitely things that are trying to steal my joy. So on the way home, I promise I will stop by the store. I'll get a 12-pack, and I will make sure that I get plenty of joy today. Listen, I don't have an issue with you having a drink, but if you have to have so many drinks to try to somehow manufacture joy, then that's a problem. You follow me? And you got it, brother. That's exactly where I'm going with this because it's an internal thing. See, what happens is we try to manufacture joy to cope with outward circumstances, with outward coping mechanisms, but this is an internal thing. Joy is internal. Say that with me. Joy is internal, which means no matter what's happening on the external, we can still tap into the joy that's internal. Is it easy? Not always, but it's there. Embrace it, receive it, take it, utilize it. Does this make sense? And so, you know, we talked about me and my situations, even this morning with the flat tire. I'm laughing about it now. I'm like, oh, whatever, we'll, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll figure it out. Kristen can change it, whatever. <laughs> we'll, we'll work that out. It's not too cold, babe. I'll give you some gloves, but... But even in your situations, as you're sitting there this morning, I know that when I ask that question, we all have that thing of that person we go to immediately. We might not say it out loud because we're in church and want to be gracious and loving, but inside we're just stewing or we're hurt, right? Or we're angry or, or, or we're, we feel betrayed. There's different things that we go through. Let's be honest with that. Let's feel those feelings. But then let's go to what God says. Because it's one thing about how I feel, another thing about how you feel, but what does God say in these situations? And I love what the Apostle James says in James chapter 1. I believe, inspired by Holy Spirit, he says this starting in verse 2, my brethren, which includes you sisterin. Is that a word, sisterin? My brothers and sisters, listen to this, count it all joy. What's he say? Count it what? All Come on, James, you don't get it. You don't live in the 21st century. You had it easy back then when they were hunting you down and crucifying you. I'm being facetious. He says, count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Patience. Something really cool about this is we look at the joy and the faith, or we could say faithfulness, and the patience, and I'm seeing this fruit of the Spirit thing. It's like James is saying, listen, th this all comes to fruition when you understand who you are and whose you are. He goes on to say, but let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Now, perfect doesn't mean that you do everything right all the time. Perfect means that you're mature, you're complete. You've grown in this joy. You count it all joy, and that what does what? Faith produces patience through this process. Now, you ever notice this, that sometimes you can just read, you know, this is the New King James Version, which it's great. I mean, we could, we could go through. I see people try to debunk things because that was translated wrong and this and that. Yeah, well, of course, men were translating original languages, right? 
But what I like to do is I like to look at different versions and say, you know, how did Holy Spirit inspire someone to translate that original language in a way that speaks to my heart? And I love this in the mirror translation. Listen to this. Verse 2. He says, temptations and contradictions come in different shapes, sizes, and intervals. Now, now stop for a second here because this is, this is pretty cool. This really resonates with me because when you think about adversity and circumstances and things that come your way, isn't it true that it comes in different shapes, sizes, and intervals? Like, we can think of it like this. There's certain things that can steal a little bit of joy. Like, the, the tires stole a little bit of joy this morning. It wasn't a big deal. I didn't fall on the floor and weep and say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It wasn't one of those moments, right? It's, it's a tire. It can be replaced. But there's other things that steal a little more joy. And then there's things. Have you ever had things in your life? Maybe you right now are going through something that it feels like every ounce of joy is being taken away. Getting real for a minute. It happens. Temptations and contradictions come in different shapes, sizes, and intervals. I love what he says here. Listen to this. Their intention. Whose intention? The contradictions, the temptations, the trial, the diversity. Look, at their intention is, to always, is always to suck you into their energy field. You ever felt it before? And not only does it suck you into the energy field, it like sucks all the life and energy out of you. Things can do this. People most certainly can do this. But look at this. He says, however, say however, which means it's going to get better. Come on, James, give me something good. Give me something, or it's tell me something good, right? I'll leave the singing to you. But look at this. However, look at this. My friends, your joy in who you know you are. But I don't have a mic to drop. What do we talk about every Sunday? Who you are. Right? It's huge. You have to know who you are. Look at this. Your joy, say joy. In who you are, and who you know you are, see, there's a big difference in who you are and who you know you are. Look at this. Leads you out triumphantly every time. Now you think, well, okay, how, how can he translate it like that? Well, the phrase count it, what does James say? Count it all joy. The phrase count it is actually a Greek word, hegeomai, and it means to lead. In fact, it's to officially appoint in a position of authority, to lead with distinguished authority. The, the scholar here says joy is the official voice of faith. To count it all joy, we could say it's like I'm going to make a calculation to which joy can be the only logical conclusion. So it doesn't matter what the circumstance is. And let me add this. The circumstances do matter. I'm not saying, yeah, whatever, get over it. Right? Admit it and quit it. Sometimes church counseling is like there's no sympathy, there's no empathy. You can't just sweep stuff under the rug, right? People do that in their 20s, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and then they have midlife crisis, and you're like, what happened to them all of a sudden? It wasn't all of a sudden. It was years of junk and stuff, right, that we've been covering up and, and pushing down, and the human soul is so deep, it can take a lot, but it only takes so much. And I believe that's why the idea of Jesus as a healer is not just physically. 
In fact, a lot of illnesses are brought on by internal issues. Bitterness, unforgiveness, stress, worry, resentment. I think I was reading one time that, I don't know if it's 80 or 90% of all office visits are due to stress. Well, look around you and wonder why. Everyone's stressing. <laughs> I mean, just, just drive down the road and the light turns green. And if you don't go in a fraction of a millisecond, the guy behind you lets you know. And then you're like, he just tried to steal my joy. I'm not going to let him. It's easy to do. I'm saying that in faith because some of you know I had a different response. I know, I know, but I'm just believing you're going to count it all joy in every circumstance and adversity. But think about that. No matter what's going on around you, you're making this calculation to which joy is the only logical conclusion. I'm going to come through this, and no matter what, I will not lose my joy. Joy will be that change agent in my heart to help me come through. And on the other side, I will always have and keep my joy because it's already there. Then he goes on in verse 3. He says, here is a secret. Say the secret. Say it. Whisper it. The secret. Ooh, it sounds really good. Let's see. What is it, James? Here's the secret. Joy is not something you have to fake. Come on, hallelujah, aren't you glad for that? You don't have to fake it till you make it. Look at this. It is the fruit of what your faith knows to be true about you. Because sometimes when that adversity happens and, and people, I'm just, I'm just getting this, when, when people speak to you a certain way or treat you a certain way, you let them project onto you what they see you as and you take it as who you truly are. And you don't see your true identity in Christ as a son and daughter of God. You're suddenly like, well, maybe I am like that because they just said that. And I'm not, I'm not trying to be condescending. It happens to me. And you start to second guess and, and wonder, no, 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 come back to the truth of who you are. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Look at this. He says, it is the fruit of what your faith knows to be true about you. You know that the proof of faith results in a persuasion that remains what? Constant in contradiction, in adversity, in anything from the outward that's trying to steal joy from the inward. And then verse 4, I love this. He says, steadfastness. He actually puts a note here. He says, just like a mother hen patiently brood, brood over her eggs, broods over her eggs, right? We've seen that. They eat patient. They're just sitting there waiting. Look at the steadfastness provides you with a consistent environment. And so patience prevails and proves your perfection, how entirely whole you are and without any shortfall. See, I'm trying to paint you a picture this morning of how God sees you. Because sometimes we don't see ourselves the same way, do we? Because we look at ourselves, I am a sum total of all the things I've done. And God's like, mm -mm. you're who I say you are. Holy, acceptable, pleasing, perfect. This is how God sees you. But, 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 but I did, but I did. He's like, yeah, well, you did because you're living out a false identity. When you see that you're acceptable and pleasing and holy and, and perfect, you're going to be different. You will be in life different than you've ever been. This is the key to getting over those sins that so easily beset us. It's realizing who you truly are. And when you begin to live out of that, your thoughts change which in turn your words change, in turn your actions change. 
Does that make sense? So think about this. God's gift of joy is bigger than the trial. It's, it's bigger than the external circumstances. And we can't forget that joy is internal. It's something you already have, you already possess. Say, I have joy. Some of you said that and went, what, I, am I lying? What? I don't feel it. It's not a feeling all the time. You have it. So embrace it. Say, it's mine. Sometimes you have to get up and just say, okay, the joy of the Lord is my, oh, come on, man. You need some strength in life. Awaken to the joy that's already within you. So I want you to think for just a moment about your journey with God. Maybe just close your eyes and think about this journey you've been on with God. And for some of you, maybe you haven't been on for a long time. And so maybe this might be a little bit harder. But I want you to think about your journey with God. What are some key truths that you have learned in this relationship with God? What are some things that, that you think, you know what, I, I, I'm, I'm confident in God is this. God is like this. You know, experience is so important. Sometimes I think we, we have a problem with this because maybe, and I like that my dad even touched on this, and we talk about this quite often, that feelings are from God and feelings are okay. And I know that I don't have to worship on a Sunday morning with certain chord progressions that move us. How many know music moves us? I mean, King David knew this. I mean, he, he was amazing at the harp, and even King Saul would bring King, before he was king, bring David in and have him play, and it would soothe him. How many have ever been soothed by music? There's something about music that can move us. There's something about getting together with others who believe the same thing that can move us, and those experiences are important. It doesn't mean that you have to do that in order to be or to receive or have. Does that make sense? We already have it. But I think it's important that ex we see that experience is something that's necessary. Let me say it like this. I would go as far as to say this. Experience is so much more than just a book. I love the Bible. I love it more than I've ever, oh my gosh. I mean, once you begin to understand context and you know, you probably heard this before. This, this clicked with me. I heard someone, I don't even know who it was. It might have been Jamie, and it's probably been other people have said this, but that the Bible wasn't written to you, but it was most definitely written for you. When Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he wasn't thinking of Andrew Scott Baransic in 2021 in Fentner, Linden, Michigan. He was thinking of the Corinthians at the time. Does that make sense? I'm not saying anything that's heresy here. I'm just saying it wasn't written to you, but man, we can learn so much from it, especially from the mistakes. That's what I love about Scripture is it includes all the mistakes. You would think that if God wanted to have this really awesome holy book, he would like clean it up and polish it. Come on, where's the editor here? Why aren't we cleaning up all the bad stuff and making it perfect? Because it's humans coping with this idea of God and what God looks like and if God exists and how he exists and how he works in and through humanity, if he even does, and who, is there one true God? Is there many gods? I mean, look at the journey they've been on. And then we have Jesus coming to clarify some things that they even got wrong in Scripture. I mean, clear it up. Proper interpretation of what happened in the Old Covenant. You follow me? But that's why I believe experience is so much more than just a book. I love 
the book. I, I'll give you an example. My good friend Jake Stringer, I heard him use this idea once. He says, imagine I walk into the house and my wife's in there. And I'm just, I'm so excited to get to know my wife, what she's all about. And so I walk in and she's right there at the door, arms wide open. She's ready to receive me. And I walk past her because on the book table, I've got a book that's been written about her. And if I could just know more about her and get into this book, oh man, I'm telling you, this would be so good. All the while, she's standing at the door, arms wide open, saying, I'm right here. Do you follow this? Now, the book's definitely important because it points to some things and helps you get clarity. But what about the experience? Do you receive this this morning? I just, I want us to see that it's not Father, Son, and Holy Bible. It's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which inspired scriptures to be written. So we read those, but we always read them through the lens of the Godhead, through the lens of the incarnation, Jesus, right? That's going to give us some more clarity on some things that are questionable. Because sometimes, it's, it's sad but true, sometimes we, we teach, I don't know why I'm going with this, but we teach Bible stories in, in, in you know, pre-K and, and, you know, the felt boards and all the stuff. And we give stories, well-meaning but it's crazy that by the time people grow up into college years and adulthood and actually start to read the Bible, that reading the Bible, because of lack of experience or understanding or context, they leave the church. Because they're like, I don't, how could God, well, I don't understand this. And then there's, again, it's cherry picking, but, and I'm not talking about someone who just doesn't believe in God. I'm talking about the hardcore atheists. They'll nitpick and cherry pick one scripture here and there to say, that's why I don't serve God. It's because they don't understand. And I think we've done our children a great disservice sometimes by not explaining. And look, kids can take more than we think. Again, I don't know why I'm going with this today. Maybe you're someone who's challenged by this and wondering and they're questioning their faith and they're deconstructing and they're leaving the faith because they're reading a Bible and thought, wow, I thought that this book was different. That's why we need to have connection with Holy Spirit. Because then it gives us proper understanding as we're going through scriptures with the lens of Jesus. Does that make sense? Maybe, maybe not. But experience is so much more than a book. And so for me, I grew up with the Bible. I grew up in a home where, praise God, my, my dad came out of a drug-addicted life, uh, drug-dealing life, didn't know up from down. I mean, he did enough drugs for my whole family for the rest of our lives, and he'll tell you that too. Just a, a miracle story of just coming out and like just immediate addictions broken. Like one of those stories, right? Because a Baptist brother gave him a book on the job in Kansas City. Come on. I love the Baptist. Come on, say, I love the Baptist. Come on, we all have our place in the kingdom, Right? But I grew up in a household who believed in Jesus and was growing on that journey in Jesus and finally decided, let's go in the ministry and just preach this Jesus. And so, you know, part of the thing that I would do was read a proverb of the day. I'd have to talk about that. What did I learn? Different experiences like that. And I, I think that's so important. But the key factor in my life that changed everything was understanding, at least getting a true glimpse of the love of God for me. Because I could, I could read through chapters of the Bible and you can find chapters where it looks like God's not so loving. 
And so it was this experience that I have that God loves me with an everlasting love. In fact, I believe that when we talk, we, we speak out of what we've experienced. And so uh, for me, I mean, you'll hear a lot coming out of the love of God. Everything I teach and preach, it comes out of the love of God. And for those who are like, yeah, I can, I can connect. I see that you're here because there's something about the love of God that draws you, that, that woos you, that beckons you to have relationship. And so for me, I don't know what it was for you, but for me, it was God's everlasting love. His love is bigger than anything I can comprehend. Any external circumstance, it's so much bigger. In fact, I believe that Paul was inspired when he wrote this in Romans 8.38. And I would say I feel the same way. And I am convinced, say convinced, that nothing, say nothing, can ever separate us from God's love. And you can say it. Keep saying it. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow, come on, nor even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. I like one translation that says, or any created thing can't separate you. And I think, wait a minute, I'm a created thing. Even I can't separate myself from God's love. Come on, I'm preaching myself happy this morning. I'm serious. This isn't, this is an act. This is, I'm here. I believe I'm called. I do this because of the love of God. I want you to experience this in your life. I don't want it to be, okay, I'm going to drag in on a Sunday morning and hopefully be encouraged. And if you're there, that's okay. But I want it to be, I live this stuff all through the week. And when I show up on a Sunday, I'm like so just radically changed and transformed and excited and full of energy and joy from the love of God that who needs some love? Who needs some joy? What can I do? No, don't jump on people and pounce on people. You know, I've also been there a little too. Isn't this stuff great? Everything you believe is wrong. Believe what I believe. Yeah, I've been there. I've done that the wrong way. I get it. But it's so important that we connect with this. We have experience. This new covenant relationship is not some man telling you. That helps in many cases, but it's you have personal relationship with God and Holy Spirit speaks to you and you and you. Come on. And so when I read this, I'm like, this is amazing, Paul. I believe Paul's saying, I've experienced it time and time and time again. I'm convinced And I want to echo that. Paul, I believe it. I'm convinced as well. His love is so big. This is literally the pivotal point in my life. And you ever notice this, that when you're convinced of something, no one can unconvince you. You can bring me 16 scriptures cherry-picked out of the Holy Bible to prove that sometimes God doesn't love me. And I'm going to say, nope, sorry, I don't see that. That's not how Jesus is, Right? That's not what I feel. Now, again, we're on a journey. We're all in different places, but I am convinced of the love of God. So maybe you're here today and you, you say, well, I'm pretty new to the faith. I don't even know if I've accepted Jesus and said, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you. Um, I'm not sure about this. So what is God like? I love what King David writes in the, Psalm, in the Psalms. King David, I mean, Many of you probably, even if you haven't been in church, know who King David is. We've all heard, you know, David and Goliath and different stories. The one thing that I do love about Scripture is that they don't candy coat. Like I said, they don't try to clean it up. I mean, this dude, like, had people murdered. He committed adultery. He had issues. Yeah. 
Yet look what he says. Now I will say this, because this is Old Testament, Old Covenant. We live in New Covenant, correct? But David had a glimpse of God. And I used to say this. I used to say, man, he was prophesying what was to come. But I'll be honest with you. I think he was seeing how God always was. We just didn't see it yet. Right? Look at this. Look how he describes God in Psalms 103. Look at this. Let all that I am praise the Lord. With my whole heart, I will praise his holy name. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget, look at this, the good things he does for me. It's getting good. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. This is an old covenant king. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and tender mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. Come on, someone. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. Look at this. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us. Come on. God's not the accuser, right? Look at this, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. What? Come on, David, you haven't listened to the latest message by so-and-so. Look at this, he does not deal harshly with us as we deserve. See, he understood the grace of God. Come on. For his unfailing love toward those who fear him. We've talked about this word fear. It means to have reverence and awe, right? It's not, I'm deathly afraid. I can't be, no, it's a reverence. Come on, when you see how good God is, I have a reverence and awe. That's the fear of the Lord. Look at this. For his unfailing love towards those who fear or reverence him is as great as the heights of the heaven above the earth. This is a person who doesn't understand what we know today about space and exploration and all that. He's saying, this is how big, as far as I can and can't see, this is how big his unfailing love is. Look at this. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. Now, when I was a kid and I first read this, I was like, what? What does that mean? And then one day I clicked. I don't know if I was in elementary school or middle school. And I went, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Maybe it was in geography or something. I thought, you know what? If you're going north, because unless you're a flat earther, it's round. Is anyone? Okay. If you're a flat earther, I love you. It's all good. You won't fall off the planet if you go too far. But listen to this. It's round. If you go north, eventually you're going. If you go south, eventually you're going. But if you go east, you'll always go east. If, I don't even know if my directions are right, but just follow me. If you go west, you'll always go west. You'll never go east. In other words, they're gone. They're wiped clean. He doesn't remind you of what you've done wrong. In another message for another time, we're told to forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Anyway, just let that settle in. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children. Tender and compassionate to those who reverence him. This is an Old Testament king, an Old Testament person under law in the temple seeing who God is. 
I mean, how much more in the new covenant through what we've seen through Jesus? Are you with me this morning? So think about this. For you, when you think about his goodness and all that he's done for you, fill in the blank. What does that do? Does it make you dance? Does it make you smile? We're a Holy Ghost Church. You can dance if you want. You know, during worship, you can dance. I mean, I, you can even pull out the flags. Some of them do the flags and stuff, right? Hey, whatever. But, but you can dance. You can smile. You can laugh. Why? Because the joy of the Lord is my strength. This is who God is. He loves me. He cares for me. His grace is sufficient. It's abundant. In other words, let's get lit. Let's let this light us up to the place. I mean, think about this. Can you lean into, can you give into, can you take in the goodness of Heavenly Father to a point of intoxication? I've had these moments where I'm just like, literally, it feels like I'm intoxicated because God, you are so good. Like, and just smile on my face and people are like, man, he had, he kicked back a couple tall ones, huh? You know what? God is good. And that smile will show. Have you ever noticed this, that let's say you're in a restaurant or you're somewhere in public, you happen to catch eyes with someone and you smile because you're so full of joy. This is the joy of the Lord, right? Because you all smile, right? When you're out there in the Christmas and shopping and all that. But you smile. What usually gets returned? A smile. And if they don't, pray for them. Because, man, I mean, because there's just something about smiling. If someone smiles at me, I just, hey, yeah, yeah, there's my teeth too. You know, I mean, it just, it happens. Show your teeth, right? Get lit. So breathe him in. Let his presence overwhelm you. Meditate on, think on his goodness towards you and get lit by God. I think it's perfect last week that Dr. Carl spoke on fanning the flame of faith. It's that flame. And I just got that in my heart when he was speaking that the flame's there because God is the source of that light in that flame. So when you connect to him, come on, someone, that's when we, we get lit. We get intoxicated with that. So what can we do? Well, I think we need to get lit, not just on Sundays, but daily. It's all week that we're running on the intoxicating love of God, that we don't allow things to steal our joy. Because listen, I, I know they can, and I know we don't want to you know, make the outward circumstances less than they are. Some things are very hard. It's a struggle. But through all this, we're being told that we can count it all joy. Let joy be the thing that leads you out triumphantly. Let me say this. It doesn't mean that you may not come through without scars, without hurt. Because I'm not preaching some gospel about when you pray the prayer, everything's perfect and shiny and polished and you never have hurts and issues. All that leads to is people pushing it down and feeling like they can't be real because what would that person say? Well, just have more faith, brother. You just need to pray hard. You need to do more. You shouldn't feel those feelings. No, that's not true. But I do believe that through the process and on the other side of that process, even if you come through a little bit scathed, you still remain in joy. And the joy of the Lord is your strength. Imagine if we walk around, walked around smiling all the time. Just imagine that. It would seem weird to people. But maybe they go, why are you smiling all the time? There's a movie that I absolutely love. 
every year at Christmas you have to watch. It's called Elf. Anyone ever seen Elf? Oh, man, Will Ferrell, you're a trip, bro. He's gifted by God in comedy. But anyway, I love Elf. You know what I love? There's something about Elf that draws you in because he smiles all the time. Everything's great. And there's a scene where he gets this job at a department store, and he's walking through with the manager, and they're coming in. And everything to him is he's like a child, right? He's full grown, but everything is just, wow. That's why I say that the gifts of God should be like gifts that our kids open on Christmas morning. We're like, wow, like we're so excited. We just want to tear them open and get into it. Oh, my gosh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Oh, my, this is amazing. This is awesome. Everything comes from you. They're walking through, and he walks into this one portion that has it set up like the North Pole. And he goes, wow, what is this? He's like, that's the North Pole. He goes, no, it isn't. <laughs> and he's like, yes, it is. He goes, no, it isn't. I mean, just like that. And he's like, yes, it is. And he's like, where's the snow? And he's all excited. And the guy looks at him and he's like, uh, why are you smiling like that? And I love his answer. He says, I just like the smile. Smiling is my favorite. What if we got to that place in life where smiling is our favorite? And I know we can go through all the things. I've heard people say, you know, it takes more muscles in the face to frown than to smile. I'm like, shut up, because I don't feel good right now. I get that. I'm not trying to tell you what to do. But listen, the smile, it's, it's not something we can fake. And you know the fake smiles. Like when you're kids, you're taking pictures, and they do this thing. You're like, you're like what is going on? Just smile. And what do you say to them? Just laugh. If you laugh, that's your true smile. Laughter and smiles come out of what? Joy. And the joy of the Lord is our strength. Will you stand with me this morning? As we close today, I want you to remember. Remember the first time, if you can, that you smiled when you became aware of the grace and the love of God. Just close your eyes with me. What was that first time, that first experience? I would say that most of us in here, based on our ages, at some point have had a relationship. We started with somebody. And do you remember that feeling you had, that excitement? Like just, you, you, you wouldn't even be with them. You would, I think about like with Kristen, I wouldn't have to be there. And I'd probably be at work like, what is this dude smiling about all the time? Because I was thinking about Kristen. I was thinking about this, this life that we may lead. Where will this go? This is so exciting. What was that first moment for you? Now, maybe it wasn't at 7 or 9 or 12 years old when you prayed a prayer in children's church or, or youth or something like that. But what point in your life did it actually, there was something that transpired in your heart of hearts that you just knew, wow, God, you love me. Your grace is so big. There was a joy. There was a smile that was brought to your face because you began to see with God's eyes who you truly were. Sometimes we need to refocus on those moments, return to those moments. I mean, come on, this happens in marriages and relationships. We have to remember, rem okay, remember, I was happy once. <laughs> I, there was joy once. Sometimes we forget those things because we go through life and the things that come at us and the outward circumstances get worse and they drain and they weigh on us. But the truth is, count it all joy in all circumstances. No matter what you're going through, the joy is there. It's inside. So tap into it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that your joy is our strength. And so for some of us, maybe this morning, it's one of those moments, a pivotal moment in our life where we say, you know what? 
for the first time, I've, I've seen that joy is not external, it's internal, and it's something I'm already blessed with, I'm gifted with freely. And so I want to embrace that. I want to own that. I, I, I want to dig into that and see what does that really mean for my life. We get to a place where we live out that joy. And no matter what the outward, stand, outward circumstances may throw at us, we still can remain in joy. In fact, joy is the thing that brings us through to the other side. Say this with me. Heavenly Father, I receive your joy. It's already there. But I receive it and I embrace it. Holy Spirit, you're my reminder. If there's any time throughout this week that I feel my joy is depleting, remind me that it's not based on me. It's not based on my outward circumstances. It's something I already have. And Jesus, I give you permission to enter into those spaces of my soul where there isn't joy, or at least I don't see the joy, and heal those areas of my life. Bring your healing power in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. You received that this morning? Say, the joy of the Lord is my strength. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.